So uh, when you drive in different countries, as you can imagine if you've ever done that, uh, you're trying to figure out the entire time what the rules are. And many times it's, it's not. It's the first time I've been in a country, by the way, that, you are, uh, that the steering wheel is on the right side instead of the, you know, the left. And I find, found myself uh, using an invisible clutch and a brake you know, the entire time. And, and uh, we were trying to, it, was, it became kind of a fun exercise because it's in the mountains and you're doing this. And then you know, people are walking up the side of the road and they have mules and you know, various things. And, and uh, they, they kept saying, Steve, let's see if you cannot flinch. Uh, because, you know, I would flinch because I, I knew, like this one guy, we were going to mow him right over. But, you know, it's, it's a whole different mindset. And it got me to thinking about our culture and how much of, in our, in our culture here in America, things are lined out. I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, pulling into a parking lot and there were no lines? I mean, it, it bothers me. I'm just being honest with you. I get irritated when, you know, the, one, the person next to me, their tire is just a little over the line. Like, come on. I mean, you know, can you imagine, you know, what that, because sometimes people, they park like this. I don't know if you've seen this in, uh, in a parking lot. I'm like, really? There, there are guys at the gym that park like that. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything because they can beat me up. Otherwise, you know, if they were like, if they were younger, you know, skinny or something like that, I'm like, hey, what are you parking here for? But, but see, the problem with this is that it leads to this, this, uh, you know, uh, and so I, I feel like, you know, some people probably would dig life if it were that way. You know, no speed limits, no lines, and none of those things. But that's really not what constitutes life, is it? There, in other words, lines are important. Some of you will watch football this afternoon. Can you imagine there were no lines on the, the field? How would you know what your progress was? How would you know when you're out of bounds? How would you know if you score... In other words, even though lines may seem confining to us, they really, are, they really can serve as measures of progress. They can, they can serve as measures of course correcting. They can, they can serve as a matter of like touchdowns or not. And so we're going to launch into a collection over the next eight to ten weeks about measures because measures are important. If you have a job, it's important to know, am I doing the job correctly? Am I painting the fence correctly? Am I, is this okay? Am I going beyond what is expected? Am I going under what is expected? Uh, am I on track? Am I off track? And I believe that it is important for us spiritually to have measures. And so we've, uh, we've laid out eight measures of what it means to be a mature Christian. Does this mean that we have all of them all together uh, all the time? Of course not. In fact, there was one that it was very difficult for me to put down because it is probably a, a weak area of mine, but because it was a weak area of mine, that didn't mean I didn't want to make you do it. <laughs> so... Even when we're doing measures, it doesn't mean that we got it together. But without measures, if we don't know what we're aiming for, if we don't know where maturity is, if we don't have clear, defined goals and what we're, we're shooting for, we'll never even have that effort to, to get there. There's great effort in getting to a goal or putting the hockey puck in the net or putting the basketball in the, in, you know, in the, in the, in the hoop. I mean, these are all goals. In fact, I would say to you as we begin today, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. 
there's this expectation for, from God that there is, there is growth on our parts. Let me remind you, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 5, he begins with these words, make every effort. Not, hey, you might just try this out, or this will be good for you because I think the spiritual t- the tone in, in, in America is I think, you know, this will be good for you. Here's what you're going to get out of it, even in a spiritual sense. But this is, this is God saying, hey, I want you to use a lot of muscle here. I want you to grow. I want you to really lean forward in adding. See, that's a growth word. That is a, a progressive word. I want you to add and layer into your life faith to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And so it's like God is building this house of, of progressive maturity, these measures. What if God were to just say, hey, grow up, get mature? I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, so I love the way the Bible says, well, here's some things that you can grow in. For if you possess these qualities, watch this, in increasing measure. That's our key for this entire collection. To, in increasing measure. Perhaps you've, you've come to Christ within the last year. Man, there is so much that God is going to teach you and, and God is going to layer into your life. Perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time and, and God is saying, I'm still expecting increasing measure in different areas of your life. This will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive because if we don't progress and we become stale, then we don't become as useful for the kingdom. And in my opinion, in my perspective, this is the entire reason that we are here on earth. Not just to have be successful in our work, not just to be a successful parent or a grandparent or a, or, or a brother or a sister or any of that. We are put on earth to be productive and effective for the kingdom of God, period. Now that plays out in a lot of different ways and a lot of different practical ways. But if we miss sight of that, and I do believe that we, it is easy to miss sight of that because we are completely inundated, all the time inundated by, by outside sources, are we not? I've been, I've been collecting political mailers. <laughs> and the reason is I'm too cheap to buy wallpaper. I thought, hey, I'll just use this because you know, make a big collage in my dining room wall. And so I just, just did a little exercise. On my desk, there is a stack of political ones, and some of them are like, <laughs> just, I don't even know what the word is. Nasty doesn't even capture it, right? I think by the time we get to an election, we're like, oh, thank you, God, this is over. Not the election, but just all the riffraff that goes. 43 mailers in two weeks. That's what I'm up to. 43 mailers in two weeks. And one of them has the picture of, you know, uh, the opponent on, on the left side uh, in black and white, and on the, left, on the right side, a picture of the opponent, and they photoshopped like this, uh, this kind of burnt orange, you know, over her that makes her look like a demon, and, you know, with some quote she made probably in 1963 or something, you know, like, it is just super, like, but they understand something. 
they understand that after a while, as human beings, the boiling of the frog does make, you know, kind of get in. So whether it's media or whether it's influence from mailers or it's influence from friends around us, we are very influenceable people. We're pliable. We're not impervious, even at a subtle layer, a very subtle layer. I mean, it starts with kids. You know, they had... They, they have little model cars, right? And, and somehow they make the commercial, you know, slow motion, like the model car like comes up the ramp and, and all the kids and then they were like, you know, like they, everybody wants the toy and then you go get yours and you whip it out and like, well, that just kind of rolls. I mean, you know. But we've been influenced and, and convinced that this, this little toy will do what we've been told it will do. It's important, I believe, that we understand that spiritual growth requires a taking in and a flushing out. A taking in and a flushing out. Watch this. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Peter says, flush yourself, rid yourselves, of, of these things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. So, you know, get these things out. But then, as newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, he's talking about the word of God, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, what? The milk, the word of God, by the word, you may grow up in your salvation. There it is again that increasingly this progressive maturity, you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted the Lord is good. So what Peter's saying, look, there is a, this constant, not just like, hey, I, came, I became a Christian you know, 25 years ago, and boy, I let go of some things. I used to smoke, now I don't smoke. I used to do this, now I do this, you know, whatever. It, it's not that. I believe because of the influence, the wave of influence that is coming, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I find I have to have my finger constantly on the flusher, you know, the, the spiritual flusher, the ridder, the, the getter ridder, the ridder of it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, I got to get out of that. I got to get, get that away, get that out of my head, get that out of my head. But we just can't get out of it. We have to put into it what, what the, the, that causes us to grow up, Right? And so for that reason, we be, we're going to begin today by our first measure, and it, it has to do with the Word of God, because it is the absolute truth. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, John writes of something that is so relevant today and is so surprising that he wrote it nearly 2,000 years ago. He says, everything in the wor world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it doesn't come from God. This does not come from the Father, but from the world. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, then don't conform to that. Conform means that we're growing around it, that we're, we're being molded into it and molded by it, and that's, it is growth. We are all growing in one way or the other. And what Paul is saying here and Peter is saying at, at the same time is, Watch those outward influences, but here's how. 
it's not enough for, for God to say, here's what you should do, but, he's, but God is always telling us how to do it. Get rid of those things and take it in. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. It's the same thing that John was saying, but be transformed. Uh, that's a progressive word. It's not an immediate word. We're, we're transformed over time by the renewing of your mind. I want to emphasize it again. It's getting rid of some things, but it's a constant sense of input, intake, so that we're being renewed in our mind. Then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect, pleasing, uh, pleasing and perfect will. So we begin with this first measure. There have been volumes written on the value of the Bible. There, have been, uh, there are many verses in the scripture that, that not just encourage us, but charge us to spend time in the Bible and let the Bible become part of us. Uh, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. There are plenty of verses and passages and parts of the scripture that tell us to study the word of God, to show ourselves approved of God before God, to say, hey, I know your word, to, to study your word, to let the word in, to spend time in the word, to be able to talk to others in, in season and out of season, the Bible says, where, whatever the time may be that I'm prepared, because if I haven't studied, then I'm not prepared to then talk to each other, to, to another person. And so there's this sense of, that we, there's a lot that we kind of already know, that we should study the word, we should let the word in, etc. But I do believe that all of that is valuable, but it doesn't hit the mark if we don't aim for this measure. And here's the measure. We need to be filtered by the word of God. What I mean by that is that if we study the word and know the word, you know, some people can, you know, turn to the Bible, you know, lickety split. Some people can tell you, man, here's the, here's the date that the book of Romans was written in. Uh, here's, you know, they can lay out the characters of the Bible, all well and good and all valuable, by the way. I'm not cutting that down. It's all valuable. But that cannot substitute for being filtered by the word of God. In other words, uh, navigate it by the word of God. In other words, the word of God alters our choices. I can know every piece of equipment. I know a lot of pieces of equipment in the gym I go to. Uh, and the reason I know is because they got little pictures on it, you know, where, you know, here's, here's what the muscle does. And I have an app that literally, when you press the, the exercise, there's a little video of the guy, you know, doing the, how you should do it and how you, sh you know, shouldn't do it and all that. I mean, I, I can tell you a lot about that. But it doesn't mean I've worked out. <laughs> and you can kind of fake yourself out. Like, you know, like I know a lot about it and I can walk out of the gym. There are a couple of guys in the gym. I never, ever, I'm not kidding, I have never, ever seen them. And I've been there for three years. I've never seen them use a piece of equipment in the gym. <laughs> and I think it's a social thing for them. That's cool. I mean, maybe that's where they find their community and all that jazz. But I, I don't know when they get in their car. I just wonder what they told their wife. How's the workout? It was rough, man. It was totally rough. You know, they got a spray bottle, you know, in their car before they walk in the house. <laughs> 
We don't want the Bible to be that, right? We don't want to you know, have all the pictures and know all the stories and know all the principles. And you know, so we become just like this vending machine of axioms. And yet it's not this filter that we say our life is going to be determined. The choices that we make is gonna, are going to be determined and filtered by this. And so uh, there's a few areas. I, I want to break this down for us today. Here's the first area that I believe should be filtered by the Word of God, and that's the area of actions. Talk is cheap, as they say. Uh, James almost said that exactly. Be doers of the Word. Make, make sure that the Word is being creating in the actions. And not only that, but when we do act, if we could use the Bible as a filter and to say, before I do this, perhaps I'm going to look through some lenses and clear out all the, the UV rays, the, the, the world influence rays, before I make this decision. I'm going to use the Word of God as my sunglasses, as my lenses through which I look. Some of you are familiar with a young king in the, in the Old Testament. His name was Josiah. He was only eight years old when he became king. I'm sure he had advisors, etc., before he really took full reign. There were some that were, uh, the, the, at this point of time, the... the the temple had kind of become in shambles and they were cleaning and doing some restoration. And they found what we would call the word of God. They found the, the words of, of the law. So what, what you surmise by this is that it had been lost. That it had, they had been operating all this time with no filter. They had been looking into the sun with no glasses, no protective lenses. And so the, the guys that found the, 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 the script of the word of God, they brought it to this young, this young man now at this stage in, in his life, and they brought it to him, and I, and I want you to see his response to it. In 2 Kings chapter 22, when the king, that's Josiah, heard the words of the book of the law for the first time. This culture was operating lensless. They had no navigation. They had no filter of the word of God. And when he heard the, the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. It was an action. It was an action that it doesn't make sense to us in our culture because we don't do that. But it was what it said was, oh, no. That's what tearing your robes in that culture meant. Oh, no, we've missed it. I find there sometimes that I will do something, say something, think something. I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to look through the lenses. Some of the worst mistakes I've ever made is like, oh, no, I did that without asking, without inquiring, without filtering that through the word of God. It's a protective measure that God has put in place, no different than the protective measure of, of, uh, of the lines on a highway. Last night I was driving home late at night, been up since early morning. I had to fly into Fort Lauderdale, I'm coming. And, you know, 
you know, you, you're halfway there, and you're, you're doing one of those, you know. But there's this wonderful mechanism on my car. It's just a little button. Many of you know what I'm going to go for, right? You push that little button, and it beeps when you go over the line. So when your car goes over the line one way or the other, beep, 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 beep. I'm like, oh, thank you. It's not there to make me feel guilty. Otherwise, you know, you drift over it, you bad person, you've gone over the line. It's there like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the heart of God. If you miss this, you've missed the heart of God because you'll see God's like, don't do that. And you'll think that God just, his whole, his whole uh, purpose in life is to vacuum any amount, any ounce of fun out of your life. Rather, the, the word, the scriptures, the book of law is, is just like, boop, 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 boop. that's not going to go well. He tore his robes. He gave these orders. Josiah gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Achaim the son of Shaphan, um, and the rest of these dudes. And he said in verse 13, <laughs> you wouldn't know if I was pronouncing it right or wrong. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or wrong. So why are we going to play? I was going to be honest, all right? <laughs> Let's go with Mark, Bob, and Stan in verse 13. <laughs> And he said to these guys, go ask God. Inquire. Let's get a filter going here. Inquire of the Lord for me and for the people in Judah and about what is, named, what is written in this book because I want my life to be filtered by this word of God. I want our actions. And he says, great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. Watch, they have not acted according to the filter, according to what is all written here about us. Let me throw a few things out for you. I wonder at work, for those of you that are in the working world, when you're in the privacy of your office or your cubicle or behind your computer, I wonder if the quality of your work is filtered by the Word of God. It's so easy. I've had jobs where I didn't like the supervisor, and the supervisor was unkind, the boss was not, not nice, didn't have good scruples. And it's so, it's so easy to say, man, I'm not giving that guy my best. I don't even like this job. This office smells bad, by the way. I, I worked with a, I had a coworker when I was teaching in college, and she was, back in the day, you could smoke in, in the classrooms and in your offices and whatnot. And I used to be a smoker, and it seems like when you've been a smoker and you quit, it seems to be, bother you more. I've heard a number of people say that. But, you know, it, it, the office was just, I mean, you could just cut it with a knife, you know, the, the smoke. I, I think sometimes, you know, in, growing up in the 60s and 70s, I don't know that we were all that bright, you know, like, like you know, you know what I mean? Like, you're on a Greyhound bus and you got a non-smoking section. I'm like, what? <laughs> How does that, the, you know, the, the, the smoke just stops on row 13. It's kind of really weird. Like, whatever. 
Like, why could we smoke in the classroom? I, when I was a college kid, you could smoke in the classroom. You could light up in the classroom. It's the same age, you know, when we're going to have nuclear bombs, you just crawl under the desk because that's going to really help a lot. Um, so, so, I'm not sure what was going on in the 60s. I think, you know, people that were in charge were, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> But I, you know, this whole thing of working in this office space, and she was just the crabbiest person literally I've ever known in my life, and the place smelled bad, and blah, 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 et cetera. And it affected my work. I'm like, I, I'm not going to give my all here. But see, the Bible says, hey, work like Christ is your boss. Forget the circumstances. You see, sometimes we're, the pattern of the world affects us, and like, well, that's not your filter. Your filter is, wherever I am, Christ, I'm going to do this like there's no, no tomorrow. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to do a quality job. I'm going to go to the extra mile because I want to give you glory. I'll never forget when I moved from a conserv music conservatory where the, the, the competition was fierce. The work ethic was off the chart. When I came to Christ and I moved to a a Christian school, and I was devastated, devastated by the low work ethic. Sometimes we can be lulled in, a, in Christian environments, and just but the world is working a lot more uh, uh, harder for the dollar and for self and for the kingdom, for those of us that are, that are serving Christ in our jobs. We're serving Christ in our jobs. And the only reason we would have that mindset is because we're looking through the lenses. You see how it, how it makes a difference in our everyday world. I believe the same thing for many areas. I think it's the same thing for giving back to God. I know what the world says, get it all for yourself, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says there is tremendous joy in giving. I, it was a, I, I've told you, this is... As an early, uh, being early in the ministry, super, really super difficult for me. I struggled with giving God back an apple, one, one of the ten, tithing, as the Bible calls it. I struggled with it. And partly because, the, the reason I struggled, I was in a 5,000 member church, and the pastor had just spent $40,000 on his office furniture, and I let that be my filter rather than the word of God. And it was a moment of time for me uh, that I, you know, God, you're going to have to, I, I can't take care of that. And I'm not in a position to say anything about that. But I want to be faithful to you. I'm not giving to a building. I'm giving to you, God. And we're going to trust how God, you see how subtle it is? I'm being super honest with you this morning that we can get influenced by those things, and that becomes our filter. And what God is saying, let, let the Word of God be your filter. How you, how you work and how you give those actions. Will you be willing to go to the nth degree when nobody, listen, when nobody sees you? When nobody sees you? Are you a carpenter? Are you giving your, are you doing, are you, are you cheating your customers? Are you buying the cheap wood and, charging them for more? Are you sitting in your desk? Are you doing it halfway? Are you making sure you leave right on time even though the work's not done? You see what I'm saying? There's a balance to this as well. 
You know, you don't want to overwork. I could write a book on that. <laughs> but I do believe it, 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 it affects our actions. Here's another thing. Super difficult. Um, does the Bible filter your moral compass? Good grief. How difficult it is to live in this, in this world, in this day and age. I have two teenage boys. And I think every generation says, you know, to them, boy, you know, you guys have it harder than I do. And, but there's just this whole world that has opened up to them called the Internet. And everybody, every kid I see at school, they're carrying around that cell phone. Our kids have cell phones. And you, you, put the, you put filters and this, that, and the other, but there are ways that they get around it and whatnot. And just the, the open passage that is to all of us, by the way, not just our kids, to all of us, um, that's dripping, 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 dripping. And I do believe that, that, that there is a, a profound need a profound need for us to let the Bible be our moral compass and let that be the filter. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that have uh, a friend who is in a, in a relationship outside of marriage, physical relationship. I'm guarding my words here. We have kids in the room. A physical relationship outside marriage. Whether, whether it's hetero or uh, homosexual, okay? And, but because everybody does it, that becomes the filter. And this is how culture works, isn't it? Culture works in such a way that, man, what was like, you, you gotta be kidding me, 50 years ago, over time because, becomes a, a cultural norm. It's called normalization. And over time, I do believe that there's a sense um, that we can lose our moral compass if we're not flushing and entering, flushing and entering, flushing and entering, and let the Word of God be that moral compass. I listen to Moody Radio a lot, and I heard a statistic on there for, for kids that are 19 to 21 years old, 19 to 21, that includes my two boys, that one out of four of them at this point, early in their life, say that truth is totally relevant. You, you get to make up your own truth. This is where our culture is going. I do a lot of reading. It's three out of four in Great Britain. And we're, normally we're tracking behind them spiritually and culturally. That's kind of, you can almost predict where we're going. And so our moral compass and our moral uh, failures and our mor moral consequences, by the way, are going to be affected by that. I'm reminded today of Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. And as you know, I've just taken a little excerpt of this. We could have done the whole thing. But as you know, the, the, the enemy came to him and attacked his morals. And so for, for one of the examples, there's several examples, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, Matthew 4, verse 1, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. I, I find that kind of a humorous verse there, but that's just my weird humor. Like, yep, I would be too. The tempter came to him. 
And he said, if you are the son of God, let's see a miracle. Turn, tell these stones to become bread. Why don't you use your power for yourself right now? Have you ever noticed that it's the most vulnerable parts? He was hungry. I would say he was starving. He was, he was living, Christ living in, in a human frame. One month, 10 days, no food. He was starving. And this is how the enemy comes and says, hey, I'll get right there, right at that point. It's often when our marriages are in, in challenging moments that like, oh, there's that temptation. It's just brilliant. There's a brilliance to the tempter that comes at those moments. And God, because of his compassion, says, beep, 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 only because he knows there's oncoming traffic that just can take us out. This whole thing is, is lined and, 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 and layered with compassion from God. And Jesus, he, he says, it is written. He had his filter up. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Let me talk to you if you're 25 years or younger, okay? I beg you. I beg you on God's behalf. I beg you. Not to be right or wrong, not to be goody two shoes, not in any of any of those things, but to save yourself from a world of hurt and allow God and His Word to be your navigator. God's not trying to take the fun out of your life. He's not. He's trying to 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 lead you into a lane that is healthy and productive and, and meaningful. Too often, I think a younger generation you know, sees church as uh, like those cement blocks you, know, you can't drive through. And God's like, man, that's not who I am. I love you enough. Christ said, hey, let me put the filter. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our moral compass. Here's the final thing. Also difficult. Thought we just kicked this collection off with some difficult things. How about that? It's not only our actions, it's not only our moral compass, but it's something that nobody can see. It's your thoughts. It's your thoughts. I had a fascinating conversation with, with Clay this week. I love uh, what you may not know about Clay is Clay is a carnivorous learner. He's always listening. I was always sharing, I'm like, oh man, just listen to this. You gotta, you gotta hear this. I, I really, really, really deeply admire that about uh, our worship pastor and high school pastor. And he, he was listening to this message and about, uh, that, came, uh, that came in the same kind of bandwidth about uh, thoughts. And man, I'm like, boy, I just had one, you know, those moments where you have a light bulb uh, and God gave to human beings a lot of distinctive qualities. We, we can play chess, you know, cats can't. <laughs> we have analytical abilities, etc. We have the power of imagination. It's almost sometimes you want to say respectfully, God, what in the world were you thinking, right? But God took a risk and he gave this distinctive capacity to, a, to human beings, imagination. And the thought was this, you have to try it on. 
that so often, more often than not, maybe almost always, that our, our car starts drifting across the line and it always starts here in our minds and our imagination. And then the conversation led to something like, oh, that's right. Think about Eve when the tempter came to her and said, hey, Eve, just think about this for a second. If you take of that fruit, you could be like God. And can you feel right now the film that started playing? I doubt she goes, okay, cool, that's awesome. I bet there was a waiting process time where the film of imagination said, wow, what would that be like? What would that be like? Man alive. What I find in my own life is that I can start a film of like, dude, that'd be cool, but the pitfalls somehow don't make it into that, that film. You know what I'm talking about? How great it would be if I blah, 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 blah. But it, 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 I kind of want to like, there's the director's cut and you're the director, you know, <laughs> you're cutting stuff out and not including stuff. How often has something, some, uh, some thought germinated about another person? And that, that little germination turns into, you know, like, yeah, I never liked them anyway. I hate them. I want to kill them. No, I'm just kidding. No, I took it a little too far. Right. You know what I mean? It happens in marriages where you can't even put the toothpaste cap on correctly because of what's happening in our thoughts and our thoughts, you know, instead of saying, hey, let's let the, the word of God filter that. Look at this. For the word of God is living and active. I know that's profound, but it's, it's, not just a, it's not just words in a book, like some kind of holy, sacred book or something. It's living and active. The, the, the word of God has the power. Watch this. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God, I'm thinking this and I want to use the word of God as the litmus test. Is this right? Is this okay? There's sometimes it's okay. I'm gonna, God gives us permission to be upset about something. Hey, wait a minute. That's not right. That's not, that's not the way we should be going. That's okay. I'm going to filter that thought through the word of God. Sometimes that, 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 hey, that's not okay, goes too far. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like, hey, let's let the word of God even filter that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the Bible, the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient and put it through the filter of God. God, I'm thinking this, but let me make sure it's okay. I just don't want to know the Bible. I want to be filtered by the Bible. Does it make sense? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Gosh, this is a hard verse for me. Whatever is true... Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, hey, how about thinking about those things? And finally, this, this little short verse, I think, says it so well in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Test everything. Filter everything. I love that. 
filter everything. Filter your actions. Filter your thoughts. Filter your moral compass. And hold on to the good. I've mentioned this program before. I'll mention it again. Uh, it's called VidAngel. Anybody heard of VidAngel? VidAngel is this program that you can get, and you can watch TV shows and, and movies through uh, VidAngel. And then you go, and, and it will tell you, here's a list of all the the, wor- the questionable words, and it will, you know, it will have you know, a letter, and then how many times it won't spell the word out. <laughs> that kind of blow the whole intention of the program. Um, it you know, has, has a letter, here's, you know, here's the, the R word or whatever, and here's how many times it appears. And uh, you want to just click right here and click right here, and I don't, I don't want that. And then it's just, okay, here's some stuff from uh, you know, a little peck on the cheek to er- everything else, and you can just say, okay, I'm cool with the peck on the cheek, and you can just go and you can filter your shows. We're often shocked. Like, hey, let's watch Rush Hour. That's a fun movie. Let's watch that with the kids. And like, whoa, you know, you're grabbing for the remote. You can, and when we bring it up, like, wow, there are 138 things in there, right? And you can take them right out. That's pretty cool. But here's the deal. You have to do it before you watch the show. You see? We walk out of these doors today. That's the show. That's the game. We're in the game. Christ already had the filter on before he played the game. What I find in my own personal life is that if I don't have the filters on before I jump into decisions, actions, thoughts, moral decisions, etc., it's like, oh, darn it. Didn't click on the Bible. Does that make sense? And I want to emphasize something that I don't want you to miss. This is not about legalism. It's about life. It's about a loving God who is so wise, who sees so much. Listen, we always think, hey, we're we're unique. Oh, come on. God's got 6,000 years of experience on his resume dealing with us. (laughs) And he's seen great men like David, like Moses, drift into a lane and get crushed. Now, what father would want that to happen to you? Driving late last night, about every seven minutes, my wife would say, you okay? You still on it? You awake? A couple slaps to the face, hey. <laughs> that's God. That's what God, that's the role God wants to play. You okay? Come on, you okay? Flush it and fill it. Flush it and fill it. Thank you, Father. God, for your word. It's precious. But it's more than that, God. It is living. The word of God is active. It has a power, God, that we, I'm sure every single one of us underestimate. Who would ever think that the, that the word of God would filter what we do in our cubicle, what we do in, the, in our privacy, what we do in public, what checks we write and what we don't, what we swipe and what we don't swipe. Our kids, everything, 
So today, God, I just want these two words to, to settle and test everything. That's your word. Test everything. There may be things right in this room that even you have unsettled someone about, like, oh, man, I think I made that move. I think I have that thought. I think I'm caught up in this, in, in this trap, this mental trap. Maybe it's a relationship thing, whatever that is. And man, I didn't test. God says, God, you're saying to us, God, hey, you okay? Let's get back in the lane. I love you. I don't want you to get, I don't want you to get crushed here. God, thank you so much for that, for your heart. Thank you so much for, uh, for loving us so much that you, you're just watching our lane for us. There's blind spots we can't see. What a good God. You are amazing in heart, amazing in compassion. So thanks for the filter today. And thanks for caring enough for putting it in our hands. And uh, God, we walk out of this room today and we ask, help us to put it on. Help us to flush and fill, flush and fill, so that we'll be productive and purposeful and meaningful in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.